Hey, this is Seth Weintraub. I'm here with Micah Toll, and this is the initial uh, episode of the Electrek Wheelie podcast. Uh, here we're going to talk about uh, e-bikes, uh, other two-wheeled and three-wheeled and no-wheeled uh, vehicles, um, and we're happy to be here. Micah, uh, welcome. Awesome. Yeah, we're excited to talk about all sorts of uh, non-car electric vehicles. Right. So that include boats. I guess we could talk about trains, talk about planes even. We could talk about, but we're mostly going to talk about e-bikes, I think, right? Maybe some motorcycles. Yeah, it's probably 90% of the non-car electric vehicles are two-wheeled at this point. But there's room right. for other things every now and again. Uh, should we talk about the Alibaba posts? Because those are pretty weird and interesting. I feel like it can be fun to include those every now and again. They seem to have a, a bit of a cult following. They do. I actually uh, I talked to a couple people, um, just you know, like a Tesla employee that I was trying to get to give us some information, and he's like, "Oh, I love Electric. They have the uh, I, I love the uh, weekly Alibaba thing of the week." And I'm like, "Oh, well, that's great. Like that. That's what he knows us from. That's fine. I'll take it. Like, <laughs> give me, give me your uh, your secret stuff." Um, so we should jump in. Uh, so we're going to basically uh, every uh, like two weeks or so talk about kind of the biggest stories um, of the last two weeks um, in the two wheel or, you know, non car world. Um, the first story we're going to talk about this time, uh, and this is kind of the end of 2021, is uh, Kawasaki confirming that it is going to launch three electric motorcycles next year. So, uh, Micah, why don't you take it away? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is big news, first of all, because Kawasaki currently has zero electric motorcycles. So three is going to be a big bump for them. They've been working on a uh, sort of prototype electric motorcycle for a couple years now. They showed it off at uh, the Milan Motorcycle Show in 2019, but we haven't seen too much progress from it yet. So we don't have a lot of information about what these next three electric motorcycles are going to be like, but it's going to be pretty important for Kawasaki to start rolling these out because they've already pledged that they're going to hit uh, entirely electric vehicles across their line by 2035. A lot of time left, but not that much when you have zero electric vehicles so far. Right. And um, do we know when they're going to, like CES is coming up. I know Kawasaki is usually at CES. Do you think they're going to, uh, announce something there? It's always possible, but I doubt it. If they had something by CES, then I feel like they would have brought it to the Milan Motorcycle Show just like four weeks ago, because mm -hmm. that's the main motorcycle event each year. That's where companies usually debut their new stuff. So it is possible, but uh, I'm guessing it's going to take them further into 2022. All right. So maybe, maybe like a, a teaser or a prototype would be unlikely, but... Um... Who knows? Um, CES is often the time for that that kind of stuff. Um, the next story, um, you know, I have to uh, move this over into this. So I'm going to have to copy this um, manually. Um, the next story is BMW thinks its futuristic 75 mile per hour electric scooter will corner the U.S. market. That's optimistic. Here's how. How are we going to do that if you were BMW? Yeah, definitely. Well, the first thing to note is that the U.S. scooter market is pretty small, so it's not going to take a lot to corner it. But BMW is definitely coming in with a really interesting product in their new uh, BMW CE04 electric scooter. It's this really futuristic looking design. When they first rolled it out, there were a lot of people that uh, you know weren't sure how they felt about it. It certainly looks kind of wild. And I think a lot of people assumed it was going to be a concept, but they actually brought it to production, which was surprising. And now they think that it's actually going to be quite popular in the US. There just aren't that many high-speed uh, electric maxi scooters really in the US. You know, you've got companies like New and IU that uh, have about 50-ish mile an hour scooters, but for someone that wants to go on the highway, 50 is a little slow. So a 75 mile an hour scooter like this really could open up the market where a lot of Americans are looking for something that they can use in the city, but take on the highway as well. And, you know, looking at this thing, it does kind of look like somewhere in between a regular scooter, uh, you know, like a Vespa scooter 
and a motorcycle. What is like the delineation between the two? Like, what is there something that kind of a motorcycle has and a scooter doesn't have? Yeah, it's really tricky and it depends on who you ask. Technically, scooters are a form of motorcycle if you want to break it down to like the definition. But generally, people would consider once it's a step through design, like a Vespa where you can swing your legs through, that that's mm -hmm. a scooter. And so those typically have smaller wheels. They have a shield in front. They're you know a little easier to mount. And so when you get into maxi scooters, which are just like big scooters, they sort of bridge that gap. Usually the wheels are a little bit bigger. Um, lots of times you'll have like here on the uh, CEO four that it's not really step through. You're really straddling it though. It's got a bit of that sort of step through DNA to it. So you're right. This is really sort of a, a line blurring vehicle and it's, it's something we're seeing more of recently. Yeah. And it's quite long. Like it looks like, uh, it looks like almost like a stretched limo version of a, a typical scooter. Um, and that, I guess that's kind of to allow you to s like sit back. Uh, you're not really like a motorcycle kind of hunched over. Maybe that's another delineation. Um, you know, how you ride. Like I noticed the guys like just, you know, if your feet are sitting on like a pad versus like, you know, a, a peg, uh, that's kind of a, another like telltale sign around a scooter versus a, a motorcycle. Yeah, definitely. I think it's also going to be a lot easier to ride with two riders. A lot of scooters, like also mine, I ride a, a new uh, GT Pro and that one, I sit a lot farther forward on the seat when I have my wife behind me. So technically it's a two seater, but you, you, you sit very differently with two people. On the BMW CEO 4 here, I mean, you'd be sitting in the exact same position. And so you're not hunched forward when you're bringing a passenger. It's It's got that right. really nice long seat. Yeah. And it looks like plenty of room in the back uh, as well. You could probably fit three people in there if you, uh, if you really needed to. Yeah, it's like the uh, minivan of the scooter <laughs> world there. <laughs> so yeah, actually bringing it to the US, that's, that's kind of like slightly exciting. So as a scooter, do you need to take a motorcycle test to get on this thing? Yeah, so it's, uh, that, that's why they're technically legally motorcycles. I mean, they'll fit the motorcycle definition in pretty much every state. Lots of times scooters that go 30 miles an hour or less can slip by under moped laws, but at 75 miles an hour, this will be a motorcycle everywhere in the U.S. So you'll need okay. a motorcycle license. So for most intensive, for legally speaking, this is a motorcycle. Like aesthetically speaking, this is probably a scooter. Um, but, you know, the line, the line's blurred. Um, right. We saw this at IAA, right? They, in, in Germany. Um, we saw they had a couple other, um, like, I guess they were prototypes, but this sounds like it's going to market. Um, yeah, they, what... they've got a few sort of futuristic prototypes like this, but mm -hmm. uh, you're right. This is the first one they're actually bringing to market. And, you know, you said that um, they want to be the biggest in the U.S. What What is the market like? Like, what's the size of the, the maxi scooter market? Uh, small, I would yeah. say. There, there are no uh, published numbers because most of these companies don't release them. Um, like I said, there's not really any um, true maxi scooter competitors. The The best example was probably the um, BMW uh, C Evolution before, which was a similar sized scooter. And uh, I, don't, I don't know of any sales numbers that have been released for that in the US, but there's just not a lot in this sort of line blurring maxi scooter or electric maxi scooter category in the U.S. I feel um, like when I, I was think... young, there was something called the Honda Helix. Is that is that still around or anywhere? Um, you know, I don't I don't know the gas scooters so well, so yeah. it, it could be. But all right, uh, yeah, I'm just not sure on that one. I might I might also be like aging you uh, a little bit, but this was like <laughs> when I was like in high school that. Uh, this is like a thing of, you know, admiration, like, Oh, I could actually ride this. Um, yeah. All right. So let's move on. We've got a, um, Oh, I love Rad. So uh, largest e-bike company in the U S Rad power bike says it has to raise prices. I don't love that, but why do they have to do that? Like Yeah. So there are a lot of pricing pressures right now on the e-bike industry. Um, one of the biggest is 
uh, the supply chain crunch. So a lot of companies are finding it hard to find components. Prices are going up from gouging across the board. And the uh, supply chain crunch is also affecting shipping, which means that bikes that used to cost, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks to ship ocean freight can be well over a hundred dollars, you know, $150 to ship now. And so all of those numbers have to get multiplied when they go down the chain um, as, you know, companies create their profit margins. So if it costs them an extra hundred dollars to ship, it might cost an extra $200 to the customer, especially since these companies are charging free shipping to the door once it gets to uh, customers in the U.S. Right. On top of that, you've got issues like um, the exchange rate um, to Chinese RMB is still uh, dropping. You know, the dollar's weakening. Uh, aluminum prices are up like 50% year over year. So it's just, I mean, the e-bike industry is just getting nailed from just about every direction right now. And frankly, I'm amazed that a lot of these companies haven't raised prices sooner. I think they've just seen their margins getting eaten away slowly and, and have finally had to, to make this jump in prices. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so that's, that definitely makes sense. And, and we've seen firsthand, like how much uh, shipping has gone up. How are companies like, um, you know, like electric, the, uh, yeah, the popular 949 or $999, um, foldable, like, how are they able to keep their price below a thousand bucks? Yeah, that's kind of amazing. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm surprised they've been able to. No, they did increase it from the um, $899 that they used to be at, though they added a few features to the bike, which helped account for that. So it could be that, um, you know, the, the features they added didn't add up to $100 in, in cost. And so they were able to increase their margin a little bit there by adding $100 to the price. But uh, I think they've also probably been seeing their margins just eat away little by little. Now, to be fair, comparing something like the Electric XP to Rad, I mean, the Electric is just a much simpler e-bike. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, parts like um, the battery is smaller. Um, it's got some um, lower quality components. It's still a good bike. I mean, I love riding that thing. But, uh, you know, it, it is definitely a lower end model than some of the mm -hmm. nicer ones made by Rad. And so that probably gives them a little more leeway with, with prices. Yeah. And rad has kind of stepped up its uh, quality and components this year as well. Um, but oh, the yeah, rad mission definitely. is still, it's still under a thousand, right? It's still under a thousand for now. I know that um, on December 29th, rad is supposed to raise prices and they said across the board. So I assume that means mm. every model will be seeing an increase. So, you know, I'll have to check back in a few days and see what the uh, rad mission is at. Yeah. So I guess if you want to get a rad bike, you might want to plunk down now uh, before yeah. prices go up. I mean, if you um, want to get a, anything, it's it's probably a good time because I think a lot of the industry is going to take this as a signal that, okay, if rad is doing it, maybe we can raise prices and get away with it too. All right. Moving up uh, to ride one up. Uh, they launched a 28 mile per hour cafe cruiser dual rider electric bike with low entry price. Uh, this or was that last week? Uh, yeah, it was just a couple of days ago um, okay. that they uh, announced this bike. It was actually the the same day as the uh, Rad Runner Two, which I think we'll get to. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because the bikes share a few of the same sort of style points or, or features, really, in that. Um, you know, you've got that nice long bench seat option on the uh, Cafe Cruiser here from Ride One Up. But I think what's really neat is that Ride One Up was always a commuter e-bike company. You know, they made bikes that were really designed for getting people to work, you know, moving around the city, that kind of bike. And all of a sudden they come out with this more cruiser, laid back, easy riding type of e-bike, which shows how they're expanding into different areas of the market. Now, it still has a lot of the Ride One Up DNA. Um, you know, it's still got the the high top speed. Almost all of their bikes are class three. It's got a lot of the same look, that integrated battery. Um, but it, it really sort of opens up the the market now to, to more of these sort of fun cruiser bikes that Ride One Up never really touched before. Yeah, you said class three. I'm a huge fan of uh, getting up to 28 miles per hour. Uh, before the uh, electric kicks off, what what size motor? That motor doesn't look huge, but it looks significant. Yeah, what it's a 750 watt. 
So, um, you know, you never really know with 750 watt motors because that is the legal limit. Sometimes it's a little more, sometimes it's even a 500 watt motor and they, uh, listed as 750 watt peak. Um, I believe this one is a 750 watt continuous. Uh huh. And, um, so the, you know, the, the backseat is the big kind of like differentiator here. Um, that doesn't look super strong like that that one uh i mean the, the the actual back coming off of the 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 main uh frame looks looks strong but like i don't know it just like the that i don't remember what that uh pipe is called but it what, what yeah, is the weight the limit on that? yeah seat stay. yeah what is so that? it's um i think the weight limit is 130 pounds so okay you know, passenger capable, but not all passengers, of course. Sure. Uh, like, wh- like what is me, for instance, would not be a good passenger on that. Uh, yeah, you should go in the front seat, I think. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. Cause like, I don't think I've ever seen uh, a like full size tire bike. We've seen a lot of um, like you mentioned before the rad runner, uh, probably the best example of the using the, the over the seat. Um, or sorry, over the back wheel as a seat. Um, are there, can you think of any other, you know, 26 inch tire bikes that have like a, I mean, there's tons with a, a an area above the, the back wheel, usually for panniers or whatever. Can you think of any that have seats back there? Like from the, from the, from the maker? No, you're absolutely right. The The only one I can think of that I've ridden was the previous version of the Rad Wagon that had 26-inch wheels. Oh, right. And I remember riding that with my wife. And I mean, she's pretty small, but still having that much weight above a, a tall wheel felt a bit odd in the beginning. You know, it took a, a couple of days to sort of get used to riding around with that much weight pretty high up. So I am curious how this is going to feel. It is a shorter bike than a long cargo bike like that. But, you know, you're definitely right about how that weight can can affect the handling when it's that high up on a big, tall wheel like that. Right. And we should note that your wife is quite light, but for a human, but as cargo, uh, it's it's more than more than a typical uh, cargo bike. Uh, cargo. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even okay. when I, you know, strap like a... And like a 50 pound box or something onto the back of a cargo bike, like those first few pedal strokes, you know, it's like, Ooh, until you get the, the feel of what it's like to have that much cargo high up. That's, that's true. And also uh, cargo doesn't usually try to adjust, uh, you know, <laughs> as they're riding. I know when uh, I'm riding with my kids, uh, sometimes they want to see better. So they just like lean over and, you know, it kind of throws off the whole thing of the bike. Um, so uh, are we going to see a review of this? Is this coming out to uh, Florida or Tel Aviv? Or yeah, definitely, we're going to have a review of it. Uh, they don't have them ready to to ship yet, unfortunately. But as soon as they do, we're going to be testing it out, and uh, you can be sure I'll, I'll let you know what it's like to actually have passengers on that uh, back seat there. Awesome, and I, I don't quite see the pegs, but I'm assuming there's pegs like on that back back uh, bar. Yeah, they're an option. The, the whole seat um, passenger kit is an option. So if okay. you install the seat, then you get the uh, pegs and then that clear wheel skirt as well to keep, you know, like your jeans or skirt or anything from getting into the spokes. Yeah, that's good. All right, moving on. Uh, this is kind of one of your, like, you look much younger in this picture. So I'm assuming this is <laughs> a little bit little bit old. Uh, the Xiaomi is $261 electric bike from China. Um I guess Google brought this one back uh, for for old time's sake. Yeah, this one was um, rejuvenated, I guess. So I bought this one actually just before the um, COVID-19 pandemic. So this is from the before times. I I saw this e-bike, I actually covered it in a news story and was like, $261. I got to see how that thing rides. So um, it was actually really tricky. I had to have a friend of mine in China, physically buy it himself. I Western Union him some money, and then he mailed it to me in the U.S. so that I could get the bike, and uh, I was able to test it out. And I gotta say, for two hundred and sixty-one dollars plus like another hundred and ten or something for shipping, it's a pretty awesome little bike. I mean, it's tiny. It's got twelve-inch wheels. It's almost comically small, 
But you actually you know, go think, like what speed do you kind of just cruise at? Like yeah, so I think it's like uh, I think it's like between twelve to fifteen miles an hour. It's That's not bad. quick, but for like a purely urban setting, like like really urban, it would actually work pretty well. You know, as long as you don't have giant potholes or something, if you can stick to decent um, bike lanes, then you really get a lot for for that price. And it's not even one of those sort of like scooter bikes that you know they don't have real bike parts. You could actually pedal this one. It's got a rack. LED lighting. It's actually got a, an onboard charger, believe it or not. You don't have to carry a oh, charger. Wow. It's got the, the cord is in that little bag behind the battery. And it's hmm. like those old uh, curled uh, telephone cords. So you just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... I remember you actually, when I think I saw the video from this, uh, you actually had a hard time finding it because it was, you know, all packaged, packaged up. Like, uh... yeah. I thought they forgot the charger and then I discovered it was already on the bike. Yeah. Um, it does look comically small. One of my neighbors uh, has this like fascination with uh, normal sized people on small bikes. So I'm going to make sure I share this with him. Um, it, these kind of bikes are pretty interesting. I, I, uh, I have the Swagtron uh, EB1, I believe, that you might have uh, sent my way. Um, and I, uh, you know, left it in the back of my car. I think I've used it like once or twice. Um, just you know, if you park far away and you want to ride up to the the the, the close area, it's a, it's actually kind of a a nice form factor if you have like a very specific need, um, and it kind of bridges the gap between uh, a kick scooter, uh, you know, an electric kick scooter and a a regular bike. Um, yeah. It really does. And I think, you know, the thing that people see as strange at first are the small wheels. But if you compare it to a kick scooter, like you said, those wheels are bigger than you'd see on a lot of electric scooters that have eight or nine inch wheels. That's true. So you go to a 12 inch and then to be sitting down. So your center right. of gravity is even lower. I mean, I think it's a big improvement. Yeah. I wonder why um, the, you know, the kick scooter industry doesn't have these. I feel like I would feel a lot safer on this than on one of those like, standing scooter death trap things. Yeah. Every time I post about a scooter, there's always a few comments like, why are the wheels so small? And I, I do think that these 12 inches would be a big improvement for ride quality and parts availability. Cause you know, you can get 12 inch tires and tubes anywhere. It's a common kid's bike size, but it, mm -hmm. I think it really dings the portability. So when you look at those folding That's electric true. scooters, you know, they, they try to make them fold as small as possible. So 12 inch right. wheel is, is a bit limiting. And you can't like fit 50 of these in the back of a pickup truck like you do, like the birds. Um, yeah, definitely. So do you still have this thing? Did it, did it, uh, did it live Un on for two years? Unfortunately, I don't. When I moved, I sold it, but I okay. have another Xiaomi uh, e-bike that's actually even smaller than this one, believe it or not. <laughs> All and right, so, we're gonna... uh, I yeah, I need to bring that one back for another look, you know, like a, a year later. How's it holding up? Yeah, so um, the, the Swagtron EB1 I had, um, it every time I, like, you know, power it back up, I'm always like, oh, it's it's still alive. But, I, like, I noticed the, uh, like, the chain and the, like, basically any exposed metal is, like, super rusty. Almost, like, it just attracts, like, any moisture will rust it. So there's no kind of like finish on, on these things. So I don't know, I guess if you live in a dry climate, uh, you're, you're going to be in better shape than, uh, here in New York. All right, moving on. We have, uh, Ola, which I think, I don't know if everybody in the West kind of realizes the significance of Ola. Ola is an Indian, uh, scooter company, uh, Vespa type scooter company. Um, maybe you can tell us, give us a little background on, on them and, and this like sea of scooters we're looking at here. Yeah, definitely. So Ola Electric, um, their electric scooter, it's very sleek looking. It's a really neat design. And it's actually uh, a design that they bought from Etergo, a Dutch electric scooter company that um, unfortunately wasn't able to find the funding to survive a couple of years ago, but their scooter survived through Ola. And so this is a really high tech, um, fancy looking electric scooter that is surprisingly affordable in India. It starts at something like a thousand and fifty dollars 
and then the the higher end model which uh goes a bit faster i think the lower end's like 60 miles an hour and the higher end 70 miles an hour 60 uh, is still pretty uh, good yeah right so so the higher end one is like 1300 dollars in india remember so obviously that price is going to be higher when they eventually export but um compared to the market in india i mean these things are are selling like hotcakes and they've had some delays getting them out but to be honest, you know, we're talking like six, eight weeks of delay and people have been griping, but that's uh, not bad when you consider the current climate. Right. Yeah. I mean, six to eight weeks is like you order something. I mean, you know, you're talking years when you're when you're ordering an electric vehicle from like Tesla or um, Rivian or even like Ford these days. Um, so these these are interesting for a number of reasons. One, um, I remember a previous story was about how they're assembled mostly by women. Yeah, the right so one? the yeah the the factory is entirely not just female operated but female managed, and so um, everyone working in the factory are women. And to a Western ear, that sounds really strange, like discrimination. But it's mm -hmm. you, you sort of have to understand the climate in India, where uh, the workforce for women is it's incredibly stacked against them. Um, not only is it a lot harder for women to, to find employment where they're discriminated against, but there's a lot of violence towards women. Um, and it's, it's unfortunately just a, a very tricky landscape to navigate. And so, uh, as sort of a socially forward decision, Ola decided that their factory was only going to employ, employ women and give them the opportunity that they just don't find in much of Indian society, unfortunately. So that's a, a really interesting progressive move by Ola. So let's talk about the uh, scooter itself. Um, obviously, they had to probably cut some corners. I mean, you know, if your development process is, you know, buying a, a bankrupt company's uh, uh, IP, then that's already money saving right there. But um, how did they get the price down? Like, is the battery small you know are the cells like high quality is you know what where are we where are we at here right definitely so um surprisingly the battery is not that small it's somewhere around um three to four kilowatt hours i believe now they did save some money by changing the design of the battery in the original uh Itergo scooter the battery was actually multiple packs that were shaped in this kind of banana shape that went under the seats and then actually continued down under your feet. So it kind of slid down there. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a really neat battery design. They've since um, removed that ability to remove the battery. So it's just built in now uh, and you're just relying on finding a charging point. So that helped um, save some money by not needing to, to design or uh, produce a removable battery. But these are also built entirely in India. So you're not looking at um, importing, um, you know, expensive parts or, or dealing with supply chain issues there. You're using local labor, which is mm -hmm. um, lower cost, of course. And they're able to control everything right there. So there's you know, huge cost advantages to producing it locally with, with local affordable labor. Now, is there, are there, like, I don't, I'm not familiar with the Indian uh, scooter market. I know, like, pollution in like New Delhi is like off the charts. It's like the worst in the world. Are there any like incentives for electric uh, uh, scooters there or like, what is the, like, is it, are there any like government mandates or what's the, what's the climate like there? Yeah, definitely. So um, both on the uh, commercial side and for consumers, there are incentives. So uh, I believe Ola receives um, government incentives not only for producing a product in India, which uh, the government you know, promotes local manufacturing, but for creating electric vehicles. Then for consumers, there are also subsidies. They vary depending on the state. And so I don't know the numbers off the top of my head for the different states in India, but I think the price gets down somewhere um, into like the, the high $800 in US dollars, depending on the state. So there are even that's, better incentives. That's like a you know, a cheap e-bike almost. And they go yeah, highway speeds. Although I I don't know about the highway highway quality uh, in, in a typical Indian uh, scenario. I don't know how the, the wheels handle that. I remember when I was in India, like a couple of decades ago, uh, people on motorcycles would have like these huge wrecks because they had a pothole that was like 
a foot deep or something. But I'm sure things are much better now. That was that was quite a while ago. Yeah, well, if I ever get the chance to go test drive one there, I'll, I'll definitely be checking the roads pretty well, depending how fast I'm going. Yeah, uh, any chance Ola will uh, bring you out for uh, another? I know the relationship there is pretty good. Yes, I've actually been talking to them about going out, seeing the factory and, and test driving. It's the trickiest part now is just uh, traveling, you know, quarantining and, and just. Right. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're figuring out a way to make it work, but um, it's absolutely in the stars. Awesome. Uh, so another story um, that we've been following is, uh, you know, a, a 70 plus mile per hour electric motorcycle. Uh, and we're looking at um, Coulter here. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I think it's uh, technically a German word, the okay. Coulter, but um, yeah, pr pronunciations are always tricky on all these international models. Yeah. So uh, they have a an affordable uh, 70 mile per hour, so highway speed bike. Tell me a little bit about this one. Yeah, definitely. So um, these are actually Asian made uh, electric motorcycles. I think they come from China, but I'm not entirely sure of their, their sourcing, but they're very popular across Europe where they're uh, imported under the Coulter name and they've recently come to the US as well. So uh, this model that I was able to test is the uh, Coulter ES1. And it goes, yeah, about uh, 70 miles an hour or so in the U.S. The uh, Canadian model, I think they limit it uh, a little lower to something like 60 miles an hour, which can be limiting depending if you're trying to get on an actual highway, you know, where, where 70 would make a big difference. Right. But they're certainly a lot faster than the, you know, mini motorcycles like the CSC City Slicker that does like 45 miles an hour. So right. these are true, you know, light electric motorcycles, something in the 125 to potentially 250 cc category. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really that sort of gap filler between high powered electric bicycles and a lowest level zero electric motorcycle or something like that. So in Canada, is it the top speed that's limited or is it the power output that's limited? So like you would go from zero to 60 in the same speed in Canada, uh, if the top speed, like what, what's the scenario there? Right. So it's, the top speed is definitely uh, slightly lower. I'm not sure if they actually limit the output. Uh, it could be that it's a couple kilowatts less. In the US, I think it's something like 11 or 12 kilowatts. And okay. I, I do think I saw on the Canadian dealer site that the power was a little bit less, which might be why it results in, in lower, um, lower top speed. But I haven't uh, tested the Canadian one yet. But I mean, the, the biggest thing here is the price and it comes in under $6,000 currently. Um, that's, I mean, I've seen e-bikes, uh, in that price range. So, uh, that's, that's quite low for a, a highway capable, uh, motorcycle. What, what are the tricks to get this that low and what are the trade-offs there? Yeah, definitely. So, um, again, because this is manufactured in Asia, you're looking at, um, you know, you're not paying the, the European or the, uh, American wages for labor. And it's also using parts that are much more readily available. You know, the, the parts for the motorcycle industry compared to the e-bike industry are surprisingly a lot lower because there are just so many more motorcycles being made. So, you know, things like brakes, handlebars, all those things are um, due to economies of scale, a lot lower cost. Now, that being said, there are some, some trade-offs. You know, this doesn't have level two charging like you'd find on most zero models. Uh, though, if you compare it to the lowest zero models, uh, those also don't have, have level two charging. So okay. some of the, the fit and finish isn't quite as nice. Um, you know, the, the on off switch looks kind of like a circuit breaker, which, you know, isn't as nicely designed as you might get if you were paying, you know, bigger bucks for, for a complete design package. So there are some of those, uh, smaller details that, that you can tell this isn't a, fancy zero or a energy cut or something like that. Right. All right. So uh, we're going a little out of order here, but I'm going to transition to a similar bike uh, that, well, not similar looking, but similar, kind similar of, price, uh, similar <laughs> price bike and similar speed. I don't know. Is it the same power? So that we're talking about the Saunders uh, meta cycle and we should note that meta cycle came out before Facebook turned to meta. So <laughs> they came up with it first, or at least they publicized, publicized it first. So talk to us about this. 
Yeah, definitely. So the the MetaCycle, it's in a similar price, speed, and power range as the Coulter. Um, right now, it's still at $5,000 for the pre-order, though that does not include you know shipping and, and taxes. So you're probably looking at closer to $6,000. And then the um, power and top speed are 14 kilowatts, which is about 20 horsepower, and uh, up to 80 miles an hour. Now, we don't have any test riding data you know, this is all just claims from the company so far. So, you know, taking them at their word that it gets up to 80. Um, and then again, for the the mileage, we've also been told that it's an 80 mile uh, or 130 kilometer range. Now, the one thing we've seen there is that the company did release a um, an entire test ride uh, video, I guess, where they did a route and they shared that data. And based on that, where they went down PCH, it, it seemed like the real mixed range was going to be closer to like 45-ish miles when you're going faster. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, until we actually get on a bike to test it, it's going to be hard to say whether these stats, you know, hold up to, to testing. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the MetaCycle is obviously a, a great looking um, bike, but is like, uh, well, well, one thing like, people who don't ride motorcycles like myself don't really quite understand is like, why do they lose so much um, mileage if you go on a highway versus like city driving? Because, you know, usually highway driving because of the, the lack of stops and starts uh, gives you usually better mileage on a, in a car, but on a motorcycle, it's like quite the opposite. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize just how poor the aerodynamics are on motorcycles. The rider is basically a big meat sail. I mean, when yeah. you're on the highway, you just feel the wind buffeting you. And if you're on a fared bike that has a windshield, you can crouch behind it. You'll certainly do better, but they're just, you know, catastrophically unaerodynamic when you get up to highway speeds. Yeah, I think the the actual kilowatts per miles per kilowatt uh, when you are on a motorcycle actually surpass like aerodynamic cars, like a, you know, like a Prius or, or a Tesla model three, um, which, you know, are quite aerodynamic at highway speeds versus, you know, the, the meat sale, as you put it. And I think is a really good term. Um, so the, um, the, the claim is that the MetaCycle outsold Zero and, and Harley-Davidson. Um, however, I think that might be, there might be a caveat to that, which is they, they haven't delivered one yet. So maybe you can take yeah. us through like what the latest is on, on the MetaCycle. Exactly. Yeah. So just in terms of outselling, I think they're probably right. It, it sounds like they've got several thousand pre-orders, some of which are people that paid in full. Um, others are people that have been paying a monthly installment. I think it's a thousand dollars a month from the time you put down your pre-order. But like you said, there there have been zero Wait, a cycle. Yeah, so it was a hundred dollar um, deposit to uh-huh. to get a reservation, and then uh, that converts into a thousand dollars a month at some point if you want to keep your reservation. Huh. So like in five months, you paid it off basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we, uh, we should talk about Saunders, just like their background a little bit, um, because, you know, it's it's a colorful background. Um, I have two Saunders bikes. I have a Fold and a uh, Saunders X uh, fat tire bike, but um, and they actually made it to my house. So, you know, I, I can vouch that the company does actually deliver, uh, but sometimes it's late or whatever. Maybe you can kind of fill us in there. Yeah, definitely. So Saunders, I mean, the first thing to note for someone who isn't familiar with the company is that they're an electric bicycle company. You know, that's where they got their start. And this is their first electric motorcycle. They started several years ago with their um, very low cost electric bicycles. And even back then, you know, people were really split on whether this was a scam or not, because they came in with, I think, a $500 electric bicycle. And a lot of people said, yeah, I mean, people said, there's no way this is real. And they actually delivered the bike. I mean, it was late. I think some of the things might not have met the original specs, but they delivered, you know, functional, fun electric bikes that a lot of people are still using to this day. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of been their MO since the beginning. They come out with new products. They're often very flashy. Um, They announce the delivery date. 
that date goes by and then <laughs> the review mirror. Right. And then a bike eventually shows up. So each time people say this is a scam and each time the company proves them wrong, though they're usually late and uh, sometimes not all of the same features or design points are there. So this is certainly a case where they've bitten off a lot more with a motorcycle project than an e-bike. But right. if they stick to um, you know, their, their past performance, then we're probably still going to see them deliver the electric motorcycle that they promised mostly with some design changes that we've already started to see, like some small static changes. Yeah. And, you know, they've, they've also kind of blurred the lines um, in their bikes uh, between motorcycle and they've kind of jumped on the, uh, you know, I don't want to give uh, Super 73 all the credit, but like certainly a lot of the credit uh, goes to Super 73 for kind of blurring the line between motorcycle and bike, um, at least aesthetics of motorcycle. Um, but uh, I actually saw my first Saunders Mad Mod uh, bike in town and I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like when did those start making deliveries? And I guess he got in quite early, like the guy had one. Um, so we're starting to see those Mad Mods out, out and about. They're kind of interesting bikes. Um, and they have also um, some like uh, full like 26-inch uh, new bikes coming out as well that are just start, starting to trickle into the, uh, into the world. Um, yeah, I mean, Saunders is, is absolutely real, um, and their designs are really cool. Um, but you know, I would say the components are middle of the road, uh, certainly good bang for the buck. And then um, their design, as, as I said, are, are really, really neat, neat looks. And I think the Metacycle is probably the best example of that. They do yeah, have that, I mean, really... um, that three-wheel car thing, though, that I, I think kind of was a, a, a digression, which maybe they should have probably put, put, the, put back on the shelf. Yeah, that, that's sort of become the black sheep of the Saunders family. Though right. It seems like they're making slow progress, like they haven't killed it, you know. Right. Um, I was at the LA Auto Show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they Saunders actually had a uh, an, an area there, and uh, they they actually had the, the car uh, on on the scene. They didn't have the motorcycle, which was weird, um, but they did have the, the uh, three wheeled car, so that was kind of cool to see. Um, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, this is something uh, we're excited about as well. Um, it doesn't quite fit the two-wheel um, stipulation, but uh, Polaris um, is launching a 110-horsepower electric Ranger XP Kinetic, the most powerful UTV on the market. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, so this came out of a uh, an exclusive agreement with Zero Motorcycles where Zero and Polaris are working together to put Zero's electric drivetrain into Polaris's electric vehicles. And so the Ranger is the first one in the line, but we're expecting to see uh, other UTVs, potentially um, other Polaris vehicles as well that are going to use the Zero drivetrain. So what's really cool here is that not only did Polaris update their electric Ranger, which the previous electric Ranger was getting fairly obsolete, but they've actually made not only the, the most powerful, essentially the best Ranger ever, but this beats any other UTV on the market, gas or electric. I mean, in the, the power and the performance, it's just, it's literally the top of the line UTV out there of any fuel type, which is pretty incredible. And I mean, the power is just, it's hard to imagine 110 horsepower in a UTV. I mean, you could just you could practically tow a barn with this thing. Right. I mean, that's, that's car, like a, uh, not, not a, a huge truck or anything, but like it's a highway speed car, a horsepower in a kind of like a four wheeler. Um, so Polaris bought, uh, Polaris actually owns a bunch of companies or their, their sister companies with a bunch of companies, but one in particular, uh, gem, uh, uh, is a kind of like neighborhood electric vehicle type of, um, company, are they using any of that technology or, or will Gem see some of this technology perhaps? That's a good question. 
I'm not sure if there's any plans yet. There's, they certainly have not announced any plans to integrate uh, Zero's motors or batteries into the gem. And they even uh, updated the gem line themselves in the last like eight to 10 months, I want to say, something like that. So they've already been making progress on, on new gem vehicles. And I don't necessarily see them putting the Zero drivetrain in. For one thing, gems have never been known for their performance. They're really sort of like buggies. And so uh, I feel like Zero's technology would sort of be wasted on them unless you were right. hot-rodding a gem. Right. Yeah, I mean, gems are typically like golf carts. Uh, there's one at, at Grand Central Station uh, that the cops use, which no idea why, because like you could walk you know, across a thing in less than a minute. So, um, yeah, you know, you see gems like on camp, like school campuses, you know, kind of just uh, inside they work nicely because they're uh, like maybe airports and stuff because they're uh, you know, obviously electric. They're not making any uh, exhaust or anything. Um, but so back to this thing. Um, one thing that it's, you know, the best in its class, it's probably going to be the most expensive as well. What, what are the prices yeah, so it starts at $25,000, but the one that everyone's really going to want is the the premium one that's $30,000, and that's definitely expensive. It's probably around the neighborhood I was expecting. I mean, a premium zero is already going to cost you like $22,000, right? and there's a lot more here than a zero, so it's, you know, it's going to have to be more than that. So this is very much, you know, the uh, sports car of the UTV world, so it's... Mm -hmm going to cost a premium price and what, what are the like is there any like zero to 60 or top speed or what do, what do we know about that kind of stuff can you can you yes. race these things so they haven't announced a uh top speed they, they often don't for utvs mm -hmm. uh, for one thing it's rarely would you get it up to its top speed that's you know just not one of the selling factors of these things i mean a lot of people do do use them for fun they're basically like, you know, really powerful go-karts, but right. um, actually asked and they, they didn't provide the top speed. So it sounds like they're not ready to share that number. Okay. I mean, I guess we could kind of extrapolate. Well, not really. I mean, I'm sure there's a different gear ratio than the, the zero. Um, but uh, also let's talk about the charging. Um, I'm, we're looking at it here on the screen. Um, it comes standard with a level one uh, charging. Um, level two, uh, how fast will it charge? It looks like what, three kilowatt. Um, yeah, so I think they have an option for up to six kilowatt, I believe. Okay. Um, in the, uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like as little as uh, five hours in the, the biggest battery version because the battery is significantly larger. They go with two packs. What is the size of so, um, it's two of Zero's 14 kilowatt hour batteries, I believe. Oh, wow. So they're actually using Zero batteries as well. Yeah. yeah. And okay. they, I mean, they took the best of all of Zero's parts. Zero has three electric motors. And in the first article where I was sort of guessing what Polaris would use, I assumed they'd use the lowest power Zero motor because it's already more powerful than a lot of UTVs. Right. But they took the biggest motor, the biggest batteries. They put two batteries in the premium model. Wait, does the motor drive all four wheels or just two? Um, it's a good question. I, I'm not sure if it's uh, all wheel drive or not. We'll have to look mm. into that. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't in the specs that they, uh, released. And are we going to be able to test this? Like, I know they have a place in Minnesota. They, they invited us to at some point. Yeah, um, definitely. So unfortunately the original invite, it wasn't to test it. It was just to sit in bleachers and watch it be tested. Oh yeah. That's um, good. So yeah, we, we covered it, but I skipped that one. Uh, the pictures sort of, you know, gave you the idea, but right. um, I've been talking to the company and we're hoping to get a, a test of it soon. Cool. Well, that looks like a ton of fun. Like I'm, I'm a little bit like, you know, the, the suburban dads always like to, uh, to uh, imagine themselves driving around the yard in one of these. And I, and I had a gem that was kind of converted for off-road use, but um, the lead acid batteries and those things were garbage. So. Um, that was the end of that.
And uh, so let's go back to Ola. Uh, our last story, number 10, is uh, Ola begins deliveries of its low-cost 70-mile-per-hour electric scooters. Um, I, I think this might be a little bit backwards, but um, so that they're, they're actually delivering. People are, are riding these and enjoying them. Yeah, they had a big uh, event where they had the first, I think, several hundred scooters that rolled off the line, and they invited reservation holders to come and uh, you know get their scooter in person. Um, the CEO shared a bunch of images on Twitter. There's like confetti falling from the sky. It, it looks quite exciting, um, but they're they're actually rolling those scooters out now, and and I don't know how fast they're producing them, but uh, there are people you know actually riding the the first units after. Uh, a bit of a delay and they do have a huge factory now so i can't imagine it's going to take long to, to you know spool up some some good production capacity and have they given any numbers like what is their i mean it sounds like whatever they can make they're going to be able to sell but have they given any numbers on what they're going to be actually producing so they've they've given what their um capacity is which they're building the factory to be a two million scooter per year factory, which is huge. But then right. even beyond that, they're planning to expand it to up to 10 million scooters per year, which is kind of mind boggling. And right. yeah, that's, that's certainly more than I think the Indian market is demanding right now, but they've got their sights set on exports. The CEO even said that they would begin sending scooters to the US in early 2022, which I'm starting to think was a bit optimistic. But well, let's get uh, one. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So what, what about Israel? Actually, Is that on the, on the list? I haven't heard it on the list, but it's a very two-wheeled country. Right. So um, there are a lot of companies that have expanded. Gogoro's first international expansion was actually uh, announced to be Israel, though that got put on hold during COVID. But I can right. see it. Cool. And well, Gogoro has like subsidiaries or something. They, 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 they have a oh, lot of yeah, partners. Right. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, they got partners all over Asia, but they're actually sending their own scooters now um, to places. And from what I understand from the company, Israel is coming soon in terms of getting their actual, their own GoGoro produced scooters. Interesting. Um, so in regard to that, like I love the GoGoro and New New has its own version of the swappable batteries. Um how easy is it to get an old battery out or is it just like, it's not even worth trying. It's like embedded in it. Yeah. You know? So it's not designed to be removable, unfortunately. So they're, they're not going for a swappable model. They're, they're really, you know, reducing cost and going with just a, a big battery that's, you don't need to swap because it's theoretically big enough by itself. Right. And that depends on the rider and the commute, but sure. uh, with three to four kilowatt hours, that's a good amount of battery. Yeah, but like for instance, if you wanted to take it up to your apartment to charge it, that's not in the cards, probably. No, I think you'd have to throw a uh, extension cord down from your apartment. Okay, or or push it up the stairs, maybe the whole thing. Yeah, freight uh, maybe, elevator. Maybe not. All right, so that that uh, wraps up the inaugural uh, electric uh, wheelie podcast. Uh, I want to thank Micah for uh, kind of helping us get that. Uh, founded and uh, hopefully we're going to do this every uh, two weeks or so um, just covering uh, the two-wheeled and and not car stuff that we we do on electric uh, thanks micah uh, we'll see you uh, next time awesome